Welcome to the One Rental at a Time podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. On this channel, we have simple goals. We want to inspire investors to move forward. We want to create belief that one rental at a time is possible. And we want to help you take positive steps forward. If you want to learn more about your host, Michael Zuber, please go to Amazon and buy his book, self-titled or self-published, One Rental at a Time. I believe there's a link in the description. If you're ready to get started with buy and hold rentals, but unsure what to do, I strongly encourage you to consider buying our online course. It gives you the tools to get started, help you learn your market, allows you to compare deals, and so much more. Lastly, by buying the course, you are granted access to a private Facebook group where I and my students interact daily. Everyone is equal, and we just keep helping everyone move forward. It is so much fun to watch, and again, I believe a link is in the description. With that, on with the show. Hey everyone, I have a really, really exciting show for you today. Uh, I have someone who is extremely well-known in the industry, somebody that is uh, going to help you with your acquisition strategy, the one and only John Martinez. How are you doing this morning, John? I'm great. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you again for accepting this. I know how high in demand you are, uh, so this this <laughs> is great. Why don't you uh, Why don't you quickly introduce the audience to who is John Martinez, where you are in the world, what, what's your little piece of this real estate game? Yeah, so my little piece is is definitely a very very small piece. Um, I help investors uh, and their acquisitions teams turn leads into deals. So uh, essentially, it's sales training. Um, but it's uh, my, my training picks up on when a lead comes in and hopefully ends off uh, when the lead is, is put under contract. Very, very cool. So let's just, just in case there might be some mom and pops out there, which I was for 15 years, who yeah. doesn't really understand acquisition teams right. and leads, right? We just shop on the MLS and enjoy our day. So why don't we just yeah. set up the world of real estate investing from that perspective? So what, what are you yeah. talking about teams and leads and deals and all of that? Sure. So, you know, what, what I've seen happen, at least when people get into real estate investing is they, they're a solopreneur or like it's a, it's a couple of people or some partners or something like that. And when they start, um, they start buying houses um, by themselves. They do every part of the business. They, do, they find deals, whether it's through marketing or connections or buying off the MLS or, or auctions, whatever it is. Uh, they, they lock down a house at the right price. And then uh, they, they use whatever exit strategy they have, whether it's a, you know, they're going to hold on to it, whether they're going to flip it, whether they're going to turn key, it doesn't matter. But um, one piece that's the same with, with every investor, whether you're starting out or have a large scale business is there's one piece of that that's always the same and that's buying a house at the right price. So when we talk about acquisitions, it's, you know, how do you, how do you buy it at the right price? So obviously if it's an auction, you just, you, you bid and you win it. Obviously, if it's through MLS, it's the same type of process. But once people go from being a solopreneur or a small operation and they're trying to get more and more deals and really increase that volume, you typically have to add these other marketing channels like direct mail or pay-per-click advertisements online and things like that. And when you start to scale up and do more, more deals that way on a, on a monthly or annual basis, well, you need to start to put in a system in place to qualify those leads that are coming in, right? all those contacts 
um, figure out which ones you got a chance with and those make sure you actually win that deal because at this point you're usually competing against other options, other investors and a myriad of other things. So it becomes more difficult when you start to, to you know, do more volume um, and you're competing against more people and more options and that stuff. So um, our, our training, what I help investors and their, their teams, if they're building teams do, is really make sure that they close every closable deal and they do it at the best price possible. That's awesome. And, and it's, you know, it's interesting. Again, I've been doing this nearly 20 years. And when I started, uh, I was traveling all over the world and the MLS was my only option, or at least I yeah. thought it was my only option, right? Because uh, I was a full-time employee and didn't have any time. But it's funny. Now, when I go and talk to people and other groups, even the people that were like me, i.e. full-time job, right? Mm -hmm. 650, 60 hours family, more and more of them are thinking, I have to do more marketing channels right? Top of funnel stuff. Yeah. Whether it's buying, I can't, everybody's talking about buying lists, postcards. Yeah. Now it's texting and, you know, ringless voicemail. What yeah. people don't realize is that stuff's expensive. And oh, by the way, it's really expensive if they don't have what you're talking about here is okay. All right. Something fell out. What do I do with it? Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, because that's going to be a big part of the conversation, I think sure. we owe it to the audience to go back to where does John start, right? Where, did you just, you know, graduate high school and start training or where's your, where's your origin story in this story yeah. in this real estate game? So, um, the way it started is, is basically, uh, well in high school and, and right out of high school, I always had sales jobs, yep. uh, telemarketing in high school. Um, after high school, you know, I did a variety of things, um, started with, you know, kind of low man on the totem pole. And as far as the sales world goes, um, all commission insurance sales. So basically in that industry, if you're, if you, you know, can fog a mirror, they hire you because you pay for your own training, you pay for your own licensing and you just hit the streets and you try to sell insurance. And if you happen to sell some, you get a commission on it. Yeah. Um, so that's where I started. And over the course of a decade, decade and a half, um, I just kind of worked my way up the corporate ladder. So, um, more complex products, uh, bigger, uh, companies, um, moved into the fortune 500 realm, started, uh, selling, you know, going from insurance to software, from software into high-end, um, you know, technology infrastructure products to manage services. So where you're selling, you know, in some cases, half a million to, um, I think our lar my largest sale ever I was involved with was a quarter of a billion dollar uh, Cisco infrastructure for some cities and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so I just climbed my way up the corporate ladder from salesperson to uh, director of sales, director of marketing, started building sales teams, mm -hmm. hiring people, managing them. Uh, training them. My favorite part was training. So when I decided to go into business for, for myself, um, which is probably, I'm guessing, a journey that a lot of people who are listening uh, to this are on, you know, mm -hmm. somewhere, mm -hmm. uh, either they've made the leap or they're considering it. Uh, when I made the leap, I just said, hey, my, the, the most fun I have is the sales training part. So that's where I focus the business on. Yeah. It's funny how our track records are so similar, right? In high school, I was a full commission uh, salesperson. I sold washers and dryers. That was my thing. So the one difference is they came to me, right? Cause I was sitting on a sales mm -hmm. floor, but you still had to talk, right? Uh, yeah. then, uh, transitioned into, uh, software sales, right? I sold software for, I don't know, I think 16 years, 17 years and same thing, right? Individual contributor, leader, second level leader. And, um, training has always been a, a big part of it because, um, you know, you got to be able to take a lead and convert it uh, to a deal, right? That's, that's where the commission happens <laughs> is at the end. Right. That's <laughs> so exactly it. 
Yeah. So pretty cool. So before we jump into kind of training and how we can give a little nuggets to everyone, um, do you own any real estate today, right? Are you a landlord? Do you do any flipping or wholes- uh, wholesaling yourself? You know, it's kind of funny. Um, I am not, and I've never been in real estate, but I think I've purchased about 200 houses on my own at this point. So wow. it, it's, it's kind of funny because um, when I started sales training, I was training in the industries that I came from, sure. and then I expanded. Uh, we were in about four dozen industries, and about five years ago, we got by accident into real estate investing, uh, training investors and, and, and you know, their teams to, to pick up these houses. And uh, it, it became a huge part of my business very quickly. I ended up shutting down all other industries to focus 100% on real estate investment. And as part of that process, I figured I really need to learn this industry because this is, this is new to me. Right. So uh, the first year to two years um, of us being in existence in REI was me traveling the country and literally going from market to market. Uh, people would pay me to, to, to train their salespeople. What I did is I just hopped in the car with them. I'd go buy houses, yeah. um, kind of keep tweaking our training and figuring out what was most effective in this industry. And then they would do it and I'd give them tips. So I spent a year, year and a half going from coast to coast, actually buying, buying houses without ever actually being a, a real estate investor. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, so uh, I'm always in. So you put it out there. So what were some of the interesting spots you've been to and you've bought houses or helped buy houses in? Yeah. So uh, shoot, I would say the most expensive is we were doing uh, seven figure deals in Southern California. Wow. Yeah. LA, Corona, uh, those areas, Dana Point. Oh, yeah. Um, really all over. Uh, the South, we did a lot in Texas. Uh, we did some in Florida. Uh, East Coast, as far east as I want to say, Pennsylvania. Maybe it was Pittsburgh. I can't remember. Okay, it's it's been a while. Coast to coast. So, okay. uh, pick up houses for ten thousand dollars, million dollars on on wholesale contracts, um, and then basically every everything in between. I'd say the bulk was between fifty and one hundred and fifty k, but we hit all ends of the spectrum by the time I got done doing it. Very, very cool. So the, the phone uh, or the, our, our connection blipped right when you were talking about the, yeah. the range of deals. So yeah. I, heard, I heard million dollars. Well, I'm guessing you said the other side. So where was the low yeah, end? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, I think we, we probably purchased them for, for zero, right? Just, just kind of take over all the way up to about three quarters of a million. Wow. But I'd say that the lion's share was probably between 50 and 150,000 across the country were uh, cool. what we put them under contract for. Very, very cool. So you're telling me this works all over the country. Really? Shocking? Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Real, real estate is everywhere. That's that's pretty awesome. All right, very cool. So the only uh, w- when was this? What just for timing? Yeah, I don't think we've talked about timing. When were you doing yeah, this? Uh, year? Between uh, three and five years ago was that period of time where I was doing a lot of heavy traveling and and, and working with teams one on one. All right, so kind of like 2014 to 16, kind of. Sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just trying to get our timelines. So that was yeah. a pretty good time, right? Right in the middle of the uptick. So that, that was good. Yeah, that's very cool. Okay. So now you get, now you do this and you're like, um, I can help people. Clearly you're making differences. I, I, I've stalked you online for a little while now and <laughs> every mastermind or person I respect is like, you're uh, I don't know, God was throwing around more times than, <laughs> more times than not. So uh, let's talk about that. Right. So you get a client, you go in and, and I guess you probably have your, um, the things you try to accomplish, right? Do you have some themes or things that are important to you that you want to communicate and, and, and help people understand? 
Yeah, are, are you talking about um, if, you're, if you're going to purchase a house or if I'm working with the company? Let's start with the company first, right? I'm guessing that's where it starts, right? They go, yeah, you know, so, I've got a team of four, let's bring John in, let's have a two or three day session or hours yeah. or whatever it is. Right. What are you trying to impart? Right, so um, you know, we, we don't do that anymore. Everything's online at this point. Ah, it's just, there you can, we go. You can, you can help much better, but you know, there, there's a few things. Number one is just real high level here is mm-hmm. you need a process, right? It, it's kind of funny because with sales, sales is the last part in any business that typically gets assigned a process. Um, it, it's, you, you know, marketing. Oh, of course. Um, you know, finances. Absolutely. Like you, you need, you know, a, at least a spreadsheet, if not, you know, QuickBooks or some kind of software. Yeah. Um, hiring, you start developing hiring processes. Okay, we're putting people through this, you know, this test or this assessment or whatever sales is just like, well, hopefully we just find someone who's a rock star and just kind of like throw them out there and hope <laughs> they do it. The most important thing you can do is, and, and that works maybe one off, you know, here and yeah. there. But if you want consistency, that's, that's why you put a process in place. So the most important thing is, I don't even care what the process is. Yeah. Start with the process, outline a step-by-step procedure. Cause even if the process stinks, even if it's not effective, if you put one in place over time, it will become effective because you'll say, you know, this stuff doesn't work. We're not doing it anymore. This always works. This is like every single sales call. We got to do this or ask this or say this. And you, you end up with a really effective process. So number one high level is you've got to have a process for sales, something that's documented, something that, you know, has a unified language around so you can talk about deals and where they're at and where they're stalled out and all that kind of stuff. So that, that's probably the most important thing is, have some process. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I don't care if you're selling, you know, Kenmore washers and dryers or, or million dollar software deals. Yeah. You have to have a process so you can have, so you can review, right? When you get back yeah. and go, that didn't work, that didn't work. And you have to have that unified language so yeah. that when you're talking to your teammates that probably aren't commission-based, everybody's on the same page. Yeah. Right. It, and, and, and sales isn't this unicorn, you know, thing it is right i don't know i'll just use the word it is a process right so uh, i think that's spectacular uh so you moved online let's talk about that real quick so you i'm sure i assume you used to be the traveling guy with the bag and you'd go to a hotel in a conference room and you have 12 people around the table and then you'd leave Uh, been there done that that's uh don't like that uh so so why don't we talk about what you were doing during those travel days you know your work life work life balance which i assume sucked uh, and now you've yeah. gone online and I'm sure you've seen a big difference. Yeah. hundred percent sucked. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I mean, I mean, what I love about traveling is cause I am in some masterminds and I, I you know, travel a bit. And when yeah. I do, it's, you, you love the people, right? You meet yeah. people, you get to know them, you become lifelong friends in a lot of cases. Um, and even if you don't become lifelong friends, you, you, you see stuff, you experience stuff, you learn. So that's the beauty of traveling. The, the part that is not so fun, the ugly part of traveling is, you know, routines are disrupted. You're away from home. You're, you know, most people work, um, you know, if they're not, if they're a little older, like I am and they have families, they work to support that family and to yeah. give them a lifestyle and to, you know, basically live the life you want. When you're traveling all the time, you do it for that reason, but you're also sacrificing that stuff because you're not hanging with your family. You're not spending the quality time. So mm-hmm. For me, I'm a, I'm a complete homebody. I love hanging out at the house. I love hanging with you know the family. Um, even if I've got my laptop up and working, I love when they're running around the room and causing chaos. And so um, that was it. So I, I I moved everything online over time. It was it was scary, 
what I found was um, much more effective on all fronts. Um, oh, wow. We're able to train better uh, because instead of you know jumping in with a company and then jumping out, well, they're probably going to forget most of it. Then they're going to have some turnover. Then you got people who've never experienced any of the training. We have an online program where it's just like you just pay once and, and you're client for life. So we've got people who've been with us five plus years and we've just always trained all their people. They've never had to pay us another dime. So for the customer, for the real estate investor, it becomes really, really effective. So we can deliver better because um, we're, we're delivering more often. We're delivering all the time um, and, and over and over again to make people, you know, teach them and then keep them sharp. From running the business perspective, it really works for us because then um, I can, you know, we've got 1,500 people enrolled right now in our training. So I can hop online from this very chair I'm in and train all 1,500 in an hour. For me to train that 1,500 face-to-face, -face, not only would it be less effective, but it'd probably take a year just to get around to yeah. all of them one time, right? Yeah. So, um, for, so both the customer experience and as a business owner, it uh, just really has worked out well. That's awesome. So let's, uh, let's change this up and try to give some value away or some what ifs or some yeah. examples. So um, I think a lot of folks, right, they get the lead, they walk up to the front door and they, they knock on it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, when they, uh, that's when they get nervous. Yeah. So why don't, why don't we talk about that experience and maybe some tips or some things to help them, um, you know, be less nervous, more confident in that, you know, that first discussion. Right. So first discussion, um, you know, sometimes walking up to the door, what I find is it usually happens over the phone okay. nowadays. Um, but, but either way, um, if you want to, I mean, that, that's a very real thing is that nervousness. So if you want to, you know, relieve that nervousness, not only for yourself, but on the other side, right, of the conversation, who's this person? I mean, no one likes talking to salespeople or yeah. being interrupted by someone they don't know, right? So both ends of that conversation, no one feels good. It's kind of nerve wracking and, and, and awkward. Um, so the first thing I would do is relieve that. Um, and, and that also happens to help with sales for a couple of reasons. I'll get into that in a second, but let's, let's just, you know, relax for a second. So the easiest way to do that again is to have a plan and the plan for that initial interaction is to just set expectations and the expectations to set. There's three key ones, time frame, agenda, and outcome. So time frame, Hey, we, we just want to let them know what to expect. So if I'm, you know, a lead calls, let's say I'm doing a mail campaign and a lead calls into my office, I'd open up the call with like, Hey, thanks for calling in. Um, you know, these calls usually take, you know, just two or three minutes. Um, probably have some questions around how this all works and, and maybe what your house is worth. Uh, happy to answer those and any other questions you have. I'll have a few questions for you, uh, just about the condition of your property uh, in your situation. So I can let you know if there's anything we can do. And at the end of that conversation, if it feels like it might make sense to take a next step, uh, we'll figure out what that next step is. If not, no big deal. Uh, we knocked it out quickly. Uh, no harm either way, right? So what we did there is we had, you know, how long is this going to take? Okay, mm -hmm. this isn't an hour. I can chill out. What are we going to do? No surprises. I'm going to get the answers I need. I'll have the opportunity to ask some questions, and he's going to have some questions for me. And the most important, how does this thing is going to end? You never want anyone to feel pressure. The more pressure causes people to fight or flee. That's our natural mechanism, right? Defense yeah. mechanism. So to relieve pressure, it's, Hey, if that all sounds good, we'll figure out next steps. But if not, no big deal, right? So you just relieve that pressure. And now within 30 seconds, we can actually have a decent conversation without it being awkward. So uh, that's how I'd open it up. Again, always fall back on process. Very, very cool. Uh, what are some things, um, you know, again, not a lot of people are, I don't know, I'll call it natural salespeople. I'm not sure what else to call it. I couldn't come up with right. something better. 
but that, that, that conversation with someone they don't know, right? Is, is any other kind of words of advice or homework they should do beforehand or, you know, you know, should, how do they, how do, here's one, how do they practice that conversation? Yeah. So you can practice, uh, you know, advice to get very, very good at things that you can do anywhere. Um, so there's, there's, you know, I talked about what we call setting the stage, just kind of setting expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, there's really only two things two two I guess, talk tracks or two questions or two things you need to talk about for a sale to happen. And, um, it's, it's really actually pretty simple to understand. One thing is you need some type of motivation, right? Mm-hmm. No one's going to make a change in their life, whether they, they buy something or sell something or change their activities or, or no one changes at all unless there's a reason why, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's got to be some motivating factor. Mm-hmm. Um, so number one thing you want to do is act to, get into what's your motivating factor. And we could, you know, if you get into psychology and, and uh, this neuroeconomics and all that type of stuff, um, what you figure out is the more you talk about someone's motivation, the higher the likelihood they are, the more urgency they feel to act on that motivation. So step one is, all right, if I'm having a conversation with someone, let's figure out why this is, you know, why they're considering this, why it's important. And the longer you talk about that, you're going to start talking, getting into real stuff, right? How is this property impacting them, right? Um, are they in financial distress? Are they stressed out? Are they uh, landlorded? Is there other things they want to do with the money that's tied up in the property? The more you talk about that, the more personal will get. And the more you talk about that, that urgency for them to take action really bubbles up to the surface. And you want to understand that. So when you lay out your deal, you're basically, you're saying, here's how I'm going to help you accomplish that. And you also want to uh, get into that to, to make it very clear for them what, what they're really thinking about doing, deciding on what problem they're trying to solve. So motivation, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, the only other thing you need for a deal to go down is once you have motivation, you just need to remove any roadblocks that are going to keep somebody from acting on that motivation. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like, hey, if we want something and then we remove everything that's going to keep us from actually getting it, the discomfort, the questions, anything like that, then, then the outcome is we're just going to do it. Um, so it's kind of like if someone wanted to lose weight, we can say, hey, what's your motivation? You know, I don't like how I feel. Um, I'm getting ready for this, you know, trip to the beach. I want to look good. And like the more you talk about that, people are gonna be really revved up. Okay, why haven't you dieted or exercised so far? It's really uncomfortable. I don't know what to do. Um, you know, I don't know how to do it. If you gave them that plan or remove those obstacles, they're gonna follow whatever plan you lay you lay out. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with buying property. So after you get the motivation, it's well, now let's talk about why you wouldn't, right? What's gonna stop you? Mm-hmm. Are you uncomfortable? Do you have questions? Have you not figured out where you're going to go, how you're going to get there? You know, what pieces are, are going to hold you back? And if you talk about those things, you'll find that some of them you can easily deal with. You know, no matter what kind of real estate you're in, there's, there's, you, know, you might have a creative solution. Um, and then there's ones that you can't deal with, but there's a really simple formula for helping people decide if, if you know, it's worth them dealing with. Um, so that's it. You want to increase motivation to take action? talk about why they wouldn't take it. So why they would take action, then talk about why wouldn't they take action. Then you're going to have a ton more information than most other investors would have to talk about how you can actually help them. Um, right. And they're going to be more willing to receive that help and, and, and feel a greater urgency to take action. So I'm, I want to try to boil this down to just the real simple talking points. Mm-hmm. Why would you? Why wouldn't you? Okay, now let me tell you how I'd help you. So that, that's a, a good sales call. Oh, absolutely. I love that. Simplicity is best. You don't have to overcomplicate sales. Some people want right. to, right? It's, 
it's far more single threaded than all these, you know, crazy mind maps or whatever. So that's yeah. pretty cool. All right. So let's go back to where we kind of were at the beginning of this conversation. Yeah. Lots of people are thinking top of funnel, right? I want to go buy a list. Um, yeah. I can buy a list for three cents a name. I can get a postcard done for 31 cents. I can, I can do texting. I could do this. Ah, yeah. So that's expensive, yeah. right? There's no other way to say it. Uh, time consuming, but people don't seem, um, they, for, I, I don't know why, I don't know why they're focused all top of funnel when they could just go down and if they can just take that first lead and make, yeah. just create a better conversion. Yeah. And then throw more stuff in because otherwise it just all breaks and you waste money. It blows up. Yeah. yeah so was... you're exactly right. So it, it, this bit, you know, some businesses, it's all sales. Some businesses, it's all marketing. REI is like, you've got to be a rock star both. Like you've got to be <laughs> yeah. proficient at both, right? Yeah. Um, so I think marketing gets most of the attention first because it, it's step one. So what do we do is, is, well, let's figure out step one and then step two. Um, so it's, hey, I got to have somebody to talk to. Mm. And only after you start talking to enough people and you're not converting, you go, well, I'm driving the leads. These people are the people I know I should be talking to, but for some reason, I'm not locking down the deals. That's usually the point in time where people think, I got to get better at converting these leads into something. Okay. And I've, I've run into large scale teams who get to a certain point, maybe spending you know, low amount of marketing, then five, then 10, then 15, then 20. We've got some clients spending 100,000 on marketing plus on a, yeah. a monthly basis, but they'll get a little bit of marketing. They'll be okay because what'll happen is if they don't really know how to convert, they'll still win some deals. Like mm -hmm. some people, some people will just say yes, yep. but not enough. Once you start increasing marketing and you start trying to do more than one deal every couple of months or one deal a month, what happens is now you've got more competition yes. and you can turn up marketing, but if you're only winning a very small percentage because you don't know how to convert, that overhead will eat you alive. You'll be spending more money buying leads than the money that's coming out the back end. So not knowing how to convert is usually okay low volume. Yep. Once you start to do, you know, a little bit more volume, that conversion becomes very, very, it, it's essential uh, or else you'll, you'll be uh, running at a deficit. No question. That's, and that's what I see a lot of business. I've known some people that I would call successful in this business as a solopreneur, right? Mm -hmm. they, they do kind of sniper marketing, very focused. Um, you know, they're getting whatever their, whatever their lead flow is that, and they're personally converting okay, right? It's paying the bills, right? It's a solid return. Then they go, wow, some is good, more is better. And they kind of throw more stuff on the top and suddenly their sniper marketing has gone more broad. The conversations are different. They're not as prepared. And if they're not careful, that could take them out of business, right? I mean, yeah. marketing's expensive, right? You got to pay yeah. first, right? Yeah. So why don't we talk about some of the conversions you've seen maybe before you came in uh, and then you've, you've, you've worked your magic. You've helped them define a process, tweak a process on the other side. Cause I'm sure you have some wonderful success stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've uh, worked with hundreds of, um, we usually work with more kind of mature investors because like, kind of like the conversation a second ago, uh, people don't even realize they have a conversion issue until they get to a certain yes. point. Right. Yeah. Um, until there's so much lead flow. So because of that, we typically just work with mature investors because they've hit a point where they are, they have good consistent lead flow, but as they start to increase and in, in build their businesses, that's when it hits them. Oh shoot. 
this is my next point I need to focus on is we need to get conversions tightened up. Mm. Um, so everyone we work with is basically successful. I don't think we've ever worked with a company that's just starting out or just struggling to stay in business. Okay. Um, but they, they definitely hit some snags where it's, okay, we went from 20K a month to marketing to 100K. Yeah. And now um, we are losing our butts. So they find yeah. out real quick they need help. Uh, basically, I'd say what success looks like after we work with them. Um, it, it, it's different for everyone. So there's, there's three or four main things, I, I guess, success markers. And some are more important to, to some than others. One is in that point, it usually means the investor is kind of taking a step back and moving into a higher level role. And one big success point is, okay, now, John, um, we are getting better results, but even if we weren't, even if they were the same, I'm not the person who has to train and continue to train and make sure they're ready for the field. That's off my plate. So I can focus on actually growing the business. So that's mm. probably one success marker. Yeah. Um, the other success marker is, is sometimes almost the same, just pulling them out of that position because it might be a position the investor has learned to do, but, but they don't enjoy. Yeah. It's not part of their natural skill set, but it, it's part of growing the business. So they did it. They learned it but the one out of it as quickly as possible. And that's relief for them. Um, for others, whether it's working for an investor or a team, it's just as simple as, as increasing conversion rates. Hey, we're producing the same amount of leads, but we're making more money either through more deals, higher, higher spreads or a combination of both. Um, and I'd say the, the final thing is really, um, just making it more enjoyable. Um, I remember my early days in sales when you don't know what you're doing and you leave every appointment second guessing yourself, wondering like, did I, should I have said something different? Did I blow that? Did I hit it right? Or are they going to sell to somebody? Were, were they leaving those appointments and beating yourself up? I mean, it hurts. And when you're in there struggling what to say, what to ask, it's not a pleasant experience. And if you were taught in such a way that you're supposed to put on high pressure, that's not fun for anybody. Yeah. It's actually less effective in this environment too. It's sure. complex sales, more pressure you put on, less likely you are to get the deal. Amen. Um, so because of all that kind of stuff, um, it makes it more enjoyable because it's like, hey, I can actually settle the conversation down. It can be relaxed for both of us. I can increase conversion rates. I know exactly where to go with it. I have a, a map to follow. And if I if the deal's doable, I'll get it. And if it's not, I'll know exactly why. The confidence that comes with that um, and, and just having a plan makes yeah. part of the day that, that people dread, whether it is your acquisition agent, you want them to enjoy their jobs yep. or else they won't be able to run along. Or if, if you're the buyer, you want to enjoy what you do too. Yeah, that's very, very cool. So one thing I want to know I wanted to talk about is um, – you know, I assume most people are, are doing, and most of the teams you work with are, are working with clients who quote unquote have equity, right? So they're, they're working a spread that the seller walks away with a little money in their pocket, I assume, at least most of the time. Yes. Um, what, I'm just curious, have you thought about how this business model changes or maybe the sales process changes if uh, we went into kind of a recession and, you know, real estate prices fell 10 or 15% and maybe people didn't have as much equity? I mean, how do you turn, or, or maybe you don't, I mean, right. what happens when you, when it's not the top line number, but maybe it's terms, right? It's, uh, right. it's lease backs or it's subject twos or, or any of that kind of stuff. Have you kind of thought about what, what might change in that environment? Yes. So we actually have about a quarter of our clients actually have those exact exit strategies now. And the truth oh, cool. of the matter is zero changes. Uh, you're making a slightly different offer at the end. 
but you are creating that urgency to take action, get super clear, getting super clear about what you're there to, what problem you're there to solve, removing obstacles. Uh, it's just that when you get your offer and you structure it, instead of saying, hey, you know, we'll pay cash, you, you just, you, you lay out your specific real estate strategy and how that's gonna help them capitalize on their motivation and um, address as many of those discomforts and deal killers or objections or whatever you wanna call them during the process. So we actually have all, every, Every exit strategy known to man um, is, is represented in our sales training. It's just, it, it's the exact same process. It's just when you get to your offer and you explain the structure, you're just explaining a different structure. That's awesome. I would tell you the only thing, again, being, being on the buyer side that's different yeah. is you're, um, you're creating a much longer term relationship potentially, yes. especially if you do subject to. So they right. have got to like you and trust you. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I agree. You have to be, you know, the, the more of a commitment they're making, the more effective you've got to be at what you do, which is building that rapport and relationship, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah because there's one thing to say, Hey, I, you know, at the end of this, you're going to get 20 K we're going to sign, shake hands and you're gone from the title company versus, you know what, I'm going to be paying your mortgage for yeah. two years and trust me. Right. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're, I, I suspect, and again, I haven't, I've only done a couple, but I suspect what's going to happen is you're going to have a much longer get to know you period. In, in those yeah. kind of deals. And I think if the economy goes that if the economy goes what I see coming in the next couple of years, I think people are going to need people like you to train them because that liking you and liking you is one thing. Trusting you is so yeah. much different in another level. People don't, I don't think people, enough people appreciate the trust you aspect of this. Right, right. I mean, the, the worst thing you can do in this business, and unfortunately a lot of people do it, not, not a fault of their own, but they just, you know, you, you don't know any better. It's just, Hey, if I find someone who's wanting to sell a house, just throw a number at them and see what happens. Yeah. That will lead to the lowest conversion rates possible. And unless you're getting leads for, I mean, I'm talking about qualified leads for like a penny a piece. That's a terrible strategy, right? Yeah. You've got you to gotta do something else. Um, so in all of that leads into the, the, the trust and the rapport. And, and, and basically the way it works is the more they think you care and the more you know about their situation, the better equipped they're going to feel that you can help them. It's just like the difference between your, your family doctor and a specialist. Well, why do we pay more for a specialist? Well, they know more about our situation. They're the experts in it, right? They ask different questions. They ask the right questions. Um, they really get to know me and what's going on. It's the same thing in real estate. You don't want to be the GP. You want to be the specialist. So they yeah. say, hey, even if it's a little bit more expensive to do business with you, you're the expert. I'm comfortable, right? So right. That, that's another way to look at it. Yeah. And um, you hit something there that I wanted to just throw out there is too many people get into this business. They think it's easy. Oh, it's easy. Right. Um, and they all, they all seem to be in a rush to throw out a number. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen some people firsthand first contact, like the 17th word out of their mouth is a number. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? You don't even know anything yet. You barely got his name right. Yeah. So, so, you know, just to keep the analogy going, that would be like walking into your doctor's office and before you even say what's wrong, they go, oh, you just need a shot of penicillin. Right? Yeah, like, you go, no, hold on. Like, hold on a second. Like, we haven't even talked yet. That's the exact, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. It's people are going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't even know anything about my house, the condition. What? You're, you totally lose all credibility right out the window. And it's, it's this exact same. Yeah. No, sir. My toe's bleeding. I don't need penicillin. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You'd yeah. never go back. You'd probably file a malpractice suit, right? Yeah. It's, it's the same as sales malpractice if you do that. Certainly wouldn't go back. That's for sure. Be yeah. like, I'm out of here. 
so yeah, again, um, I guess, you know, how can people find out more about you? You have obviously a, 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 a website for sure and a huge social media presence. How can people find you just get more, more taste of what, what John's all about? Yeah. Easiest way is go, going to our website. It's called the REI sales Academy. Uh, so REI sales academy.com. And there's, there's, um, tons and tons and tons of free resources on there. I think we've got somewhere between hundred and 150 training videos. We've got scripts and I mean the best scripts in the industry. Um, our scripts have now been adopted by, um, basically every coach guru, you name it. Uh, it doesn't have our name on it anymore, but, <laughs> but the most effective stuff is out there being used. But I tell you, I mean, it's a good thing because it, they're effective. We work yeah. really hard at them. Um, using stuff that actually works instead of like old school kind of sales stuff that's just been recycled over and yeah. over. It, it's effective stuff. So everything's there. Um, go use it, take advantage of it. Um, that'll lead you to our YouTube channel. If you want to check that out, it's the same video. So whether it's the website or YouTube channel, same thing. Uh, but that's it. Um, if, if we can help anyone, love to. Very, very cool, John. Well, thank you very much. I'll make sure that that URL is in the show notes so people can check it out. And I want to thank you for your time. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. It was fun. All right, buddy. Take care.